because he's very funny apparently oh my god he is hilarious james thurber what sorry how are you spelling that surname jen james thurber t-h-u-r-b-e-r i think Uh thank you yeah he has all these short stories that are absolutely hilarious um not politically uh sensitive by today's standards <laughs> we'll see some things that will jolt you a bit but um his stories of his family interactions and the family pets oh my god it's similar time to Wodehouse. Mm. like similar when was james server writing i want to say it was like the 30s or the That's... 40s i think pg I... Wodehouse was the 30s yeah i think I think around that time, I might be off. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of his stories are about his childhood, which I think would have been the 30s or 40s. Okay. Ugh, it's just hilarious. We love it. Awesome. Well, we really enjoy PG Wodehouse. We we laugh ourselves silly reading those oh, stories. Yeah. And they're super unpolitically correct, obviously. Yes. <laughs> but they're really good. Yes. Um, welcome to Monday, September 11th, the Solid Ground live stream. And we are joined by Jody Shaw today. It's so nice to see you, Jody. Yay! Nice and to be back. David, do you want to start us off? Um, now that you're taking a drink, <laughs> would you like to start us <laughs> off? <laughs> Good timing. Yeah. Um, Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, CSJ, and oh, aka woke, and/or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school, or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and to answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of the groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community, please visit solidgroundsupport.com. And please note Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice and nothing we do should be construed as such. Excellent. Paul McAuliffe in the chat. Hi, Paul. Uh, He says... Hello to all of us and welcome back to Jody. Oh. And Andrew Boudreaux oh. says it's nice to see Jody. So, oh yay! I broke my el- both of my elbows. Everybody, how how are you healing up? They're healing. They don't put casts on anymore, apparently, for fractures um, like this, I guess, which is actually better because you still maintain some mobility. And you did this fighting off a mob of assailants or <laughs> I wish it was that exciting. No, I no. No. Um, over. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened and I'm glad you're healing. Thank you. So we were gonna talk today a little bit about meaning making and uh Jody has Jody, I wanna just give you the floor. Tell about your your music and Oh, well, doing your projects. Yeah, we're going to talk about this during the live stream, I'm sure. But it I'm a musician. My musicianship was part of what was involved in my experience at Smith College when I was told not to do a rap. That was one of the things that happened. I ended up producing the rap anyway, along with extra parts. And um. I was told I couldn't do it because you're white, because I'm white. And so I spent the past, you know, I'm in a lawsuit with Smith right now. And I've spent 
the past few years being heavily involved in the what I call the anti-woke movement. I'm a, a, a former lefty, I guess, uh, who is very much opposed to these illiberal things. And so, but I, I started getting really tired of talking about this stuff and I started realizing that it's, and, and I, I started realizing that it was like, it was kind of, it didn't feel generative or productive really just to be anti something, to be fighting something. And it felt like as a creative person and it was, it just, it never changed either. There was like nothing new. Like once I felt like I figured out this ideology and everything and how it works and how it gets in, like that part was really interesting to me. But once I kind of figured it out, I was like, okay, what now? You know, like, so I started doing music again and realized that, like how powerful art and music can be in terms of it's the truth. It's the, the good, the true and the beautiful. Again, it's a Plato thing that, that Terrence McKenna talked about where, um, we we're not going to agree on what the truth is. We can't, everyone has their own version of the truth. And we, we probably aren't going to agree on what the good is, but we can generally build consensus around the beautiful. And so if we can do, go start with the beautiful and build a consensus around that, from that, from there, we can, will lead us to the truth. And I, I just think that's very beautiful. And, and so for me, beauty is not really political. Like it's not like, I know there are artists writing anti-woke songs and they're very funny and i love tom mcdonald the rapper <laughs> and i i love all these things that these people are doing but in the end it doesn't feel unifying and it feels political and it feels divisive and there's a need for that i'm not saying it's bad like we definitely need that to like we need to like to encourage us it's like battle songs you know like for for this particular side of the battle right we for our side but then i think there's also a need for some to remind us that we're all human no matter which side we're on we're human and we do live in a country that was founded on particular ideals that's also a unifying thing whether we like it or not so i started doing music again and i started doing um i you know i realized nobody's really done the patriotic music like i always i grew up thinking patriotic music was cheesy <laughs> like uh because it's always like America, like, you know, like operatic or like brass band, like big military orchestra. And I thought nobody's really done like more contemporary versions of these songs, which I started looking at them and they're quite beautiful, like the many different verses. And so I started redoing these patriotic songs. And so that's my current project and I'm really enjoying it. And I started making videos to accompany them. So that was a very long preamble and it ties into the live stream of what I am doing now with my broken elbows. <laughs> and so I am hoping I can show one of the videos that I made. Yeah, please do. Okay. So I'm going to show you the latest one, which is uh, grand old flag. And, oh, and the very important thing here <laughs> I forgot to mention is that many of these renditions that I've made of these patriotic songs are in different cultural styles 
So when I, I was told you cannot do this rap at Smith College, cultural appropriation and you're white, as an artist, like cultural appropriation, I mean, my God, like I'm not going to like divide in my brain what's appropriate or cultural or not. Like I'm going to go for what's the most beautiful. Like I'm an artist. Like I just push the shit out. So all of these patriotic songs are done in a different American cultural style. So this one is a, a punk. This one is a nod to Joey Ramone. It's grand old flag. I'm going to share my screen. Okay, ready? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just like kind of do like a messy intro. Okay. And I'll count you in. I'll walk. I'll move around a little bit. You know, play the same note. The C. Oh, okay. Awesome, Jody. Oh, that's really awesome. Thank you. I love the graphics around the flags. It's kind of like a kid thing, right? And I think there's something, I mean, quite like as an artist, uh, I don't like, I just kind of do what feels natural, right? Like make it. And then I realized like, hmm, that's kind of symbolic. The fact that it's so low, I just shoot with my iPhone. I do the lowest resolution possible because it takes up less memory, right? But it's all, and it's also very punk and it's kind of like of the people style. It's not polished and it just, it feels natural and fun. And it's really about the songs. So I'm, I'm really excited to put an album together and, and put the album on Spotify of, of just the music. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have an album. I'm really, really excited. So thanks for letting me play that. And oh, I think that's that so great. Ties, ties in because now I'm doing this, and I'm still on the anti woke front. Like I'm, I'm still fighting Smith College and and doing that. But now I have something that's very positive. I'm I'm creating something, and it feels pure. Mm -hmm. Like there's no like um, other flags in there. There's no like thin blue line. There's no like police. There's there's nothing in my mind, unless you think that the American flag is political, which I know a lot of people do, like it's bad and all, you know, bend the knee and all this. But 
it, it's something that everyone can hopefully feel good about. And even if they don't feel good about the flag, they can't help but like get into the music. So, <laughs> so it's just, it feels good. It feels like something good to keep me going. So well, people in the chat really enjoyed it too. You got a lot of good comments about it and we can put the link under the video too. Yeah. Yeah. In the description. So yeah. yeah, I think that's a really great idea. I love that. It's something that, like you say, it's, it's putting your focus somewhere positive instead of just, cause I feel like there's that tendency also with this, the whole anti-woke thing we're, we're calling, we, the first phase is to, to try to understand what the heck is happening here. And you know, we can spend a lot of time calling attention to that and describing that. And at some point, like you said, we understand what we're looking at. And then what do we do? Where do we focus our energy? How do we build something positive instead of just continuing to, you know, look at the car accident? Yeah. Yeah. Eventually there needs to be some rehabilitation. You need to like, when the bone breaks, it doesn't just go back together the same way more the body makes new bone and you actually are stronger then so we need to make some new bone here folks <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of this episode make some new bone jody shaw <laughs> oh i you need know, bone <laughs> you know slightly related i i think i said this in leslie's group the other day i got in well one braver angels is trying to do a lot with music and bringing you know, Blues to make music together, especially music that's sort of positive about the country. But I got invited by a young man who recently joined Braver Angels, who is Republican. And he invited us to the New York, NYY, New York Young Republicans Club the other night to, because they're trying to have an arts group. They want to have a dedicated arts group, young Republicans creating. And so they did a bit of a musical performance. And it was just, they were like, we, you know, conservatives have things to say we have create you know we've been kind of shunted out of various places but there's and I do get the sense that there's going to be a big flowering of some sort out of that community especially with this one person because he's such a mover and a shaker um but I think it's really interesting too to, to and again this notion of beauty of of creation um and focusing on that I agree because this is a cultural problem and a psychological problem and podcasts and lectures focusing on logic and intellect is not going to sway what's going to sway hearts is is music and art things that are beautiful i think there's a huge swell coming i'm really excited yeah i think that's it's it seems like it's a maturing also of this whole uh, whatever you want to think of it as a cultural movement uh, miroir jumeau i think that I might be butchering your pronunciation, but in the chat says it's too easy to define oneself in opposition. And I think that's, that's definitely true. And it's also a part of the developmental process of human life is to differentiate oneself from the, the family of origin, for instance. So there's this adolescent phase of differentiation where you are in opposition and you're supposed to be. And then you move forward into something that you become, you become something else and you're no longer defined in opposition but you're becoming a complete self and and taking on your own identity so what you know this is sort of a, a cultural process also we can kind of look at the same developmental arc happening in in a larger scale culturally 
where we know what we are, we know what we aren't, or we know what we aren't, but now who are we? And I think art is a huge part of that. And it was really inspiring to see what, how people loved that Oliver Anthony song that was, that like blasted onto the scene and it was really exciting and, and watching all the reaction videos to that was really fun. And it was a great song. And, and it was inspirational. I think that it calls to the artist and in many people to create. Yeah, I really think we, we need our artists right now. This this is this is your job, you know. There was there seems to there still still seem to be quite a lot of trying to pull him into that kind of reciprocal role of like Republicans trying to claim him. Oh, because he's saying this and then left people sort of saying, you know, left wing people sort of saying, oh, it's it's against because he's against the state or he's against the, you know, it's for the people. And you could just feel that people were trying to drag him one way or the other and claim it. It's almost as if people can't look at beauty or an art in, in a way that feels universal. It has to, if for people to really understand whether they should like something or not, they have to put their political lenses on and then they go, oh, actually, yeah, I can see it now. I can see it for what it is. And it's so, yeah, it's it's um, so reductive. Um, well, I really like people are stuck in that one schema and they want to plug it into that schema. Exactly. Yeah, and, I, and I love it that he sort of rejects that. And I don't know if this ties to some of the spiritual things we were talking about, but I listened to his interview with Jordan Peterson over the weekend. And I mean, he really views what he's doing as a ministry. I mean, he's he's wanting to feed people. I would get teary eyed when I just think about this man. I think he's almost too good for us in some ways, you know, and like even him questioning whether he should do large stadiums because he likes doing a smaller venue and he likes to meet with people afterwards. He spent like four and a half hours after a concert just meeting people. And it was funny because Jordan Peterson's like, well, you know, you could charge more for those people. And I'm thinking this is a guy who would want the people who don't have the money to be the ones that he wants to meet after the concert. You know, <laughs> he's not like, yeah. so I just, I love seeing people also realizing um, like wanting to touch hearts in that way and, and stir up something that's maybe beyond just sort of the, the mundane. Yeah. And because it, that ties into our topic about like David, we were talk, talking or chatting offline about an ideology and like how the lack, there's a, there's a crisis of meaning that it is kind of the, how did I put it? The wind in the sails of this movement. It's really helping because if, if people are not feeling some kind of connection to something that transcends the mundane and the everyday, like something, an anchor that transcends our time and our place, then it's, it's kind of like that's a human need. It's like a, that otherwise there's a void and it's not going to stay a void. Like it, it has to get filled with something. And so what is that going to be? Is it going to be something ugly or is it going to be something beautiful? And I think it takes some consciousness to um i think that is a mark of being a conscious human being is like managing your brain so that <laughs> you're firing the neurons together in a way that are that benefit you and that are positive because they're going to fire you know that's what neurons do they're going to fire in some way and they are morally neutral and if you allow your amygdala and then you know to if you allow your amygdala to run the show, they're going to fire in a fear-based way and uh, latch on to this or that instead of um, you kind of directing the way that they fire, fire together. 
are wired together. Yeah. And that, that spiritual need that you're talking about, like that spiritual impulse trans that need for something transcendent. I think that as we've moved towards being more secular and more materialistic as, as a Western culture, and there's such a focus on, on efficiency, on industry, on science and breaking things down into, you know, the ones and zeros. It's like that mm -hmm. there's the transcendent is completely absent in that. And so you can understand, it's understandable why people would seek something that gives them a sense of meaning and connection and, and, and gives them a quest which woke does, you know, woke ideology definitely does. It gives you a quest. It gives you something to fight for and something to, to be um, riled up about and a collective meaning and a sense of collective mission, which is, which is transcendent. So you can see how that, and um, in the chat, the clue channel says the music of today is absolutely terrible. I'm glad you guys are stepping in. And yeah, the music has become so, it's so corporatized. And so it's just without, like this this new one by that girl who does the demons thing i don't know if y'all saw that i don't even want to talk about it too much because <laughs> i don't want to direct people to go find it because it's just absolute drivel it's just it's like uh, anyway i i do agree i think you can hear the ones and the zeros <laughs> well aren't they aren't they even choosing things these days by i mean it seems like you know what's the marketing thing and what's the you know like the there's just a lot of calculation about you know releases right um and probably focus grouping and whatever the case may be art, yeah but there's so much good music out there if you you just have to find it we don't have the the, the gatekeepers aren't they're they're the ones that have the focus groups and i don't know i feel like there's a lot of good music out there that still... yeah i think that there is good music but it's not in the mainstream it's like it's like ideas right it's like there's lots of really good ideas out there but people have to go looking for them <laughs> otherwise it's like you, what you were saying like uh we will get ourselves into grooves like we will, will yes. get ourselves into patterns it's whether yeah. or not we've decided to choose those grooves or there's someone else's idea about what groove we should get into um, yeah, yeah that's just, that's another terence mckenna quote Was it? if you don't have a plan you're going to be part of somebody else's plan. So you mm. better have a plan for your brain. <laughs> yes. This is where it's at. <laughs> the best yeah. computer ever. <laughs> yeah, one, of the most, one of the most difficult experiences, like we mentioned LSD, I think a little bit, so <laughs> like a little bit kind of, we weren't, we meant something else as an acronym. We didn't actually mean LSD, but we sort of joked about it. But I think it's stuck in my mind a little bit, but that's one of the more, difficult experiences I had as a result of taking some which was which was realizing how much I was in in a groove that I hadn't really picked I was doing I was you know listening to stuff I didn't really want to I was you know maybe talking to some people I didn't really want to I was on all these grooves that I was just really just going going along with stuff and the grooves that have been picked for so many people on my course for example have been picked by other people and you can slot right in here and you can become a clinical psychologist and fantastic you'll come out as a factory setting and a factory model right and um yeah and i, I just think people we need to become more conscious of, of the fact that we're in these grooves and whether there are grooves yeah god yeah there's grooves i mean that mm. that like like your brain that's 
yeah, it's it's a groove because it's efficient. It's your brain. It's like your brain downloads. Okay, we're doing this now. I'm going to download it and create a habit out of it. So now you don't have to think about it anymore. You're just going to do it. It's like in a way of your freeing up the RAM or whatever. <laughs> like it's like a way of freeing up space for to handle new stuff and all the like the stuff if you do it enough gets downloaded into subconscious so it becomes like automatic like oh we're gonna be eating cheeseburgers and fries every day okay and now you find yourself just driving to mcdonald's and you don't even like think about it anymore like your brain is gonna stick so now you're freed up to think about other things but now look at what you've programmed into your brain yeah that's one of the things i i i sort of think about people as pattern makers we are almost above all else in our lives we make patterns and we create these i you know we create these spiral patterns in our lives where we do about the same thing this day that we did that the last day and there's little alterations and little changes but we really like to repeat our patterns and it's one of the most difficult things in the world to force a pattern change because we love to hold on to those our habits and our patterns are so much a part of ourselves and so you have to really what I think the, you know, what we're saying is being intentional about how you create those, because if you, if you don't create them with intention, you will create them anyway. Yeah. You will, you will get caught up in the ideology if you don't have some other spiritual thing going on. Although I I noticed my mind wanting to question that because I'm thinking about say normies that aren't getting their environments where there isn't so much ideology coming in and they might be secular. Like I've got to believe there's a chunk of, but maybe they're just busy with entertainment. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I, I want to make a case that there are probably some people that haven't been entirely captured. Uh, they're not next to the ideology, but they might still not have something else they're aligned with. So maybe it's more, you're more susceptible if you got close, if you got six feet, <laughs> closer than six feet to some ideology. Yeah, they might be more susceptible. And then, but there's other things too. There's like family. We're also heavily influenced just by our social groups as well. Like if there's a strong family system or, yeah, that's interesting. Or like even being a mom, that's, I don't know. There's something to that too. Do you think, do you think, oh, sorry, Joni. I you finish talking. Oh, I was just, I was just thinking, do you think secular, secular people are more, are more or vulnerable to ideology getting in they haven't got a, a moral framework or a set of beliefs that have been passed down that they've got enough people around them to necessarily say oh, well my dad did this or my mum did this and her mum did this and whatever but like I, I was just listening to Richard Dawkins doing an interview recently with someone and um, I think that the person was sort of making the case that well when you look at the stars and you imagine them as like 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 sewn onto the fabric of the heavens that's a much more beautiful way of thinking about the stars and Richard Dawkins did his classic kind of ah fiddlesticks you know it's it's a wonder it's a it's a piece of gas that's emitting lights and it's that's what's what's, that's the beauty of nature right and I I remember thinking I said I mentioned this to Deborah actually I was like I, I think what Richard Dawkins probably would never completely um he would never account for properly is the fact that when he's looking at the beauty of nature, he also, the meaning he gets from being the person who transmits that beauty to the masses, you know, his role is, is, is as a high level sort of intellectual who goes out 
turns the witness, you know, witnessing what's happening in the universe into something that can then be understood by the world. His role is so much a part of his meaning that it's not, he doesn't just get meaning from the fact that a, a ball of, of light and gas does this. He's getting meaning for himself. Whereas someone who's, I don't know, like maybe not on his intellectual level, who has kind of a normal job, who has a normal-ish kind of life, if whatever normal means, they would struggle to get the meaning from the gaseous cloud. They would want to get some meaning from something else. And maybe that's that means that we all have to create some sort of meaning we all have towards the universe, some some story that makes sense to us. Um, and I guess that's that's probably where meaning is created as well, isn't it? Um, and I just think that these cold intellectual rationalists who are, who go out on, on these big stages and talk about these things never account for the fact that their meaning is so much so much about that role that they've got, you know? Wow, yeah, that's profound. I think <sighs> what you said in the beginning about people who are secular possibly being, or maybe Deborah Askett, possibly being more susceptible. I think there's something particular about this idea, about woke that is appealing it's it's very this like mechanistic stuff that by the way matthias desmet talks about in the, his book a lot about the the mechanist scientism like how that aspect of the enlightenment kind of got like too big for its britches and and became the overarching when there's so much more to the enlightenment and it's very unfortunate and reducing things to ones and zeros and very mechanistic cause and effect there's something about this ideology which I think is very appealing because it's so reductionist. People are basically objects. Um, you, your identity is not an inside-out thing. It's an outside-in. You can see it. It's, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's not it's, – it's fixed. You are this skin color. Therefore, this is who you are on the inside versus inside-out like – which has nothing to do with skin color or may have something to do with skin color, we don't know because we don't know what's on the inside. And it's only until we know what's on the inside that we know what a per who a person is. It's not outside in, it's inside out. That's, that's how we truly come to know somebody. But this, this ideology reverses it. We know somebody by what they look like, what their practical, and then, or we, we become a woman by doing something to our body, right? From the outside in, it's not something. So I think there's something about this ideology in particular that is very appealing to secular folks. I'm just, this is just speculation, secular folks in particular, because it there's no mystery in it. It is all fixed, flat, reductionist, and very material. Well, and also I'm thinking, it's also more appealing to elites. There's some secular elites, because I don't know, I don't know if there's more guilt in secular elites, because you could imagine people who might be secular, but they're not really feeling that privileged or feeling guilty or something like that. And they might be like, I think there's no. more arrogance for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, there's the whole, there's the whole um, virtue piece of it. There's like the, the virtue currency. It's like that, that, that somehow trading in that at that. Yeah. The discourse. Like we speak a special language. We're in a special club. Like we know about these special woke things and and how pronouns work and crt and like they're speaking a language that most a lot of other people don't even know what the hell they're talking about but they know they're not part of the club 
I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think there's some, like, pro, like some kind of, like, status thing going on, if you can really get into this stuff. Well, and there's also something that religion offers. It's simultaneously, it offers transcendence, access to the transcendent, to the larger than self, and also it offers fixed boxes and roles and definition and understanding of the self in connection with others and so the woke ideology does both of those things as well the it we can clearly see the boxes i mean the boxes are obvious they're they they break you down into the intersectional framework but and and i think that that's really comforting for people who have become increasingly disconnected from systems of tradition which could include religion or also just we see how many people move away from their families how many people live where they were born i don't and i don't know very many people who do i mean i know some but there are a lot of people who are disconnected from their their ancestors and their traditional um places that they've lived and what what life has meant to people who came before and and how they relate to others so having a box to put yourself in is is really incredibly comforting i think especially for young people who are going out into the world and have nothing that they have to be but need to figure out what they want to be. And this gives you something that you have to be according to this ideology, which is, so it's the the transcendent, but also the limiting. Yeah, it's so sad because there's so much mystery that, and and I'm just thinking about eroticism too, like this breaking down the sexualities, like demisexual, gray sexual, like it almost like as soon as you put a label on it, you're limiting yourself, like, because that's not the, that's not what I'm attracted to. I'm this is I'm this. It's like you're automatically like kind of I, I mean, I'm sure people change their labels, but it tends to, I think, lessen the possibilities of who you might be as soon as you start to label things. You're when you label something, you it's a, it's you're automatically excluding a bunch of other things. I just got well, I a notification, is- you guys. I don't know if this is real or not. This YouTube is sending me a notification. Do you guys see this in the chat? Is this no. from YouTube for real? It yeah, says warning, permanent ban will ensue if you do not end your live in five minutes. <laughs> do other people see this too? I don't know. You can even see it. No, Leslie. What? Is it an email? No, it's in the chat. It's in the chat. I it's don't, got... I don't see it. Is it only for me? Yeah, yeah I don't see it. You're the host. Not so real? Share- Okay, it's not real. I don't know what that is. That's so weird. I have no idea. You guys, the people in the chat see it. They're saying it's it's fake. I don't know. I mean, we're going to just keep going, but I guess. I mean, what? I mean, we didn't say anything. (laughs) Yeah, I no, it's not in the not in the Zoom chat. It's in the like the YouTube chat stream. Oh, I know. I'm thinking it's probably not real, right? I mean, that's. I think it's not real. I think it's okay. I did want to. I did. I wanted to comment on the transcendent thing because I don't think the woke stuff is transcendent. I think it's a lot of you know. If you talk about idolatry, it's very in terms of reifying these. There's these categories, and this is like a real solid thing, and we're going to be worshiping some category of a type of person. Like it's to me, that's not transcending at all. It's it's like fixing things and sort of being a bit idolatrous towards particular things or particular groups, and not going to like a higher level beyond that are you saying yeah that happens in religion too is that is that what you're saying because yeah, I'm, I'm saying i don't think that woke is transcendent i think it's doing like 
you know, if I was going to get technical on what is idolatry, like fixing on an object in a certain sense or a concept and being sticking oh. it, like you're saying, like keeping it frozen in a certain way yeah. and, and making it a deity, making it a worship, a thing, an object of worship. In yeah, some static, sense. It, it, like static identities, like mm. identity isn't something to be dis- to discover, or develop. It's just fixed. And yeah. it's not in relation to, to something bigger. I mean, it's in relationship right. there's no to. There's yeah. no context. It's, just, it's a vacuum. Right. Like you don't there's there's no relational stuff going on. Like you don't like you, like your identity is really a, a negotiation with with your environment at any given moment. It's like a fluid thing, just like self-esteem. And the woke stuff doesn't account for any of that negotiation. It's like you're this fixed molecule floating around in a vacuum. <laughs> well, that's what strikes me as so narcissistic about it and ultimately bad for the mental health. Um, I mean, there's many things about it that are bad for mental health, but, um, you know, the more we focus on ourselves, 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 the more our neuroticism increases and the more miserable we become. So it, it's, um, I think people are being sold a false bill of goods because they think, well, if I just, you know, select my identity and insist that this is my identity and go out angrily in society and force everybody to agree that this is my identity, um, I am going to attain happiness and they're, they're not what happens. And you see this happen with all of them. They become angrier and angrier and more and more sensitized to anybody who might raise a brow at them. Um, and they completely have an external locus of control because it's all about what other people are doing or what other people are denying you and victimization and it just is it's really the pathway to emotional hell i think and i'm sure we can all notice that in our own lives if we're really stewing in our own stuff really grappling with a problem it's such a joy when your shift focuses when you turn to somebody and ask how are you and you really listen all of that stuff all the knots loosen around your own life and your own pain and it's really, you know, kind of looking outside yourself. That to me is like what's transcendent is not just being bogged down in myself and my little world and my situation. Yeah, I agree. External locus of control can is not. There needs to be some, but it right. feels very unhealthy. It's so dis, it's disempowering because you no longer have any agency. You're you're just going by this outside in thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm not a person that believes um, at all that oh we somehow control everything that happens to us. I absolutely don't think that. I think crazy, crazy, random stuff happens to us all throughout our lives. Um, but I think sort of outsourcing your happiness is a mistake to say I can only be happy if everybody agrees with me on x well you're never going to find that happiness because you're never going to be in a situation where everybody agrees with you everybody applauds you everybody celebrates you it's not going to happen and you're going to be waiting out on a limb for a really long time right or everybody validates you as the gender that you've decided like right it's not other people's responsibility no, it's not. That's like, hopefully, if you have a healthy romantic relationship, that would happen. Your family, hopefully, some of them, maybe not even your family. I mean, like, that's not something you can 
require or legislate strangers to do for you. That's just not, that's a result of your like social grouping, like who you choose to have in your life. Like hopefully you choose wisely and you have people that validate you and you do that for them as well. That That's a hard, hard thing. You Like this expectation that other people are going to eat. But yeah, you're giving your power to other people. But, and if uh, they don't do it, that what you're saying that's that's another reason why it must be so appealing as a substitution for religious systems is that at least in in more religious or traditional cultures cultures that have uh, they they'll have stronger social scripts so you will know what you can expect from other people and this seems like it's an mm -hmm. attempt to reimpose some kind of order like that so that you can understand because things have gotten very uh, there's a lot of, of variability. There's it, It's almost chaotic. So not knowing how people are going to respond or interact, it's a breaking down of of something that we understand in a, in a predictable way. And I think we need that in order to feel, I don't know if we need that, but I think that it's something that's very comforting for people. And so this kind of offers that and then and then you can see these people who really want to glom onto this and want to have a script. This is, I understand this. Here's the rules. We're going to play like this. And when you don't play like that with them, they're, they're kind of melting down and, and having so much trouble with them. And I guess we also didn't, um, we passed the five minutes. So that was just a troll. Thanks to everybody in the chat. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> was it all caps? I don't know. No, it just, it's somebody, somebody clearly changed their screen name to notifications and then used a notification symbol as their picture. And so it came across as kind of, um, potentially legitimate so i felt a bit bad leslie because we just carried on talking and oh, you clearly yeah. were a little bit distressed with it you're like oh fuck what the hell is this <laughs> well you know we'll just if that happens we'll just start a new channel somewhere else that's so, true yeah no big Blessing, deal to your point I, I thought i found that that was really yeah i think you're right like i can see why people would especially young people who are in college for example maybe away from home for the first time. They don't know what to expect. They're feeling nervous. They're feeling scared. They're not sure if they're, they don't have a social group yet. And, oh, look, here's a convenient set of like structures. And, but however, glomming onto that, as you said, further degrades, degrades their ability to become resilient and, and to go into new situations or new cultures or new countries um, and new languages and, and adapt and assimilate and learn and and have, having empathy learning those skills that one needs to be resilient this glomming onto this ideology degrades that isn't that interesting also that this this ideology this is one of the biggest internal contradictions in this ideology is that it it's in the name of diversity and multiculturalism it seeks to create a monoculture yes yeah. Do you think, Leslie um, and Jennifer, anybody therapy, do you think we're, well, part of it is liberalism and just kind of taking off all the stops off of anything. And, and um, but do you think there are things we could be doing with teens or younger people that would have them not be so like this, you know, by the time they get to their teen years, like what scaffolding would um, help them navigate 
you know, a wider open space when they get to the age where they're sort of out there. If, if we don't suddenly have more traditions, spiritual traditions, like what, what could a parent do? Well, I think, sorry, I didn't ask that, Leslie. Oh, God, I'll just say really quick, because right as you said that, the finisher in chat said, step one, shut off your Wi-Fi and leave your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I just that was like the perfect answer so I just had to say that sorry Jody go ahead I was my answer was very similar which is let your kids figure it out on their own get tell them go out of the house and don't come back for two hours and let them figure it out there's I mean this is all combined with like this helicopter parenting and like doing kids homework i mean christ i've known parents that would write their their children's essays for them in college because they wanted to graduate from this good college and they weren't doing well i mean this is crazy i mean or send them if you have lots of money send them to one of these outdoor survival courses for six months you know like like something where they can develop mastery and resilience and a lot of that is like for ages eight to twelve especially boys is like fort building and girls too, like building forts and, and mastery over nature and mastery over the environment. That's where like this stuff really starts to kick in for adults. I think. I think that's Leave really good adults. advice. It, and also right now, unfortunately we have to worry about all of these activist adults that are, that are out there imposing structure on your kids. If you're you're attempting to let your kids figure this out, meanwhile, their teachers have been taught that they need to be activists. And this is their and and I'm talking to parents all the time who have this problem where their their kids were convinced a certain way by their social structure that involves adults who are meddling that aren't the parents. There has to be some proactive there have to be some proactive discussions. Yeah. I've had discussions with my kids that I really did not want to have at this at the, the age that I was having them because I knew things were happening at the school mm-hmm. and also just being a model. But I, I think there is a lot to just these basic things that have nothing to do with preparing them for these activist teachers and other eye contact. I see kids having really hard time with eye contact. I think having a lot of people in their life just being shut up in their room is also cutting them off from and, and the, the lockdowns, my God, like the the level of like, my, my doctor is just telling me like, oh, there's so many kids that are on the spectrum now. And it's like, well, are they on the spectrum? Or like they only had access to like maybe one parent, maybe two parents and their home and their siblings. And that was it. I think there's a lot to be said for having a wide variety of people in a children's life who are making eye contact with them, addressing them, validating them, different kinds of speech patterns, different body language and facial expressions that's diversity. And I, I think there's a lot to that and a kid feeling grounded in themselves so that when you do have these kinds of conversations, they can tell the difference. They can look at somebody and say that that person's bullshitting me. I mean, kids really young can tell that that's person's bullshitting me, whether it's with the woke stuff or some other BS stuff. I think giving kids like giving them a solid to feel self-esteem in this internal locus of control. Like, I don't like what that person's doing. I'm going to go along with it, but inside, I'm not, eh. it's just the basics, right? Isn't that, that's like basic, basic stuff for, ch- for child development. I think that stuff's not happening. It doesn't, I don't see it happening. I don't see a lot of kids playing outside. I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of kids 
eye contact and talking to adults. Well, that's also why I get upset about this identity insistence, because it seems like actually one could not need to be doing all this identity stuff if you had developed agency and mastery, but instead they're substituting, let's just focus on your identity. Let's sit in class and come up with your 10 identities and, you know, we'll put them on a list. And, but if you actually just were developing somebody's agency, they're not going to be so fixated on, I need to have these categories I belong to. Like they just feel confident moving in their world. Yeah, they feel good in their own skin. Like they, they feel confident, like, okay, I'll, I'll take this in and maybe think about it. It's the beginning of critical thinking skills too. Like I have the power to analyze this and decide for myself if it's something I'm going to accept or not. I can imagine, I'm just imagining um, people, if they were trying to really critique liberalism, they would say, we've never had a, we've never had a world that's this secular before. Uh, we've never had this much, and I'm sure this is not how I look at it, but they would say it's chaotic that you're, we're having to leave it up to kids to work out things for themselves. There will always be some people that lean, I don't know if it's a personality thing, you know, it's a thing, you know, Jonathan Haidt would say that there's are, there are people that would always want to lean further into authoritarian ideas because they need control, they need, they need to feel safe in that. So are we always going to have that? If, if we have a liberal society, are we always going to have people who lean on rules? But it just makes me think that like, you're stifling proper transitions into adulthood if you give rules too early that say that this is your identity and you're, <laughs> you you just lean further into that and it just becomes, there becomes no growth because growth is too painful because, oh, I need to validate myself. Growth is pain, you know, we don't grow the bone that we need to grow um, as a result. Um, so I've kind of answered my own question there. I was just imagining, I was just imagining this slightly more, we, we sometimes get critiques of uh, liberal positions because it's the liberals that let this stuff in or something like that, but, um, yeah, just trying to play devil's advocate. Well, we need some rules, right? Like And boundaries. You always need boundaries. Boundaries are our friends and people are so angry about boundaries now. And I think kids need to have, they need to have different experiences where they can gain a sense of mastery with, with the support of the adults. And that's where you gain your sense of self-esteem and efficacy. And um, I don't think kids have enough, very often enough encouragement and support in schools for when they're challenged by something like a kid who's struggling with reading. The schools are too focused on, well, but what's your identity? Which gender are you? Um, and not really helping kids to also face the fact that they're not good at some things and how to deal with that and to not freak out that you're probably not going to be extremely strong in every single subject and you know just learn learning how to deal with that because i mean i feel really sorry for kids now the, the level of homework that some of them have they come home they're in tears because they're so stressed out they're not getting enough time outdoors in nature they're not getting enough time to run around and kids really need that and um it's for some of them it's almost like they feel like they have like a full work day and then they come home and they have to take their work home with them it, it, they're actually under quite a bit of stress and pressure and i think they need they need help with that and taking all this focus and putting it on oh, the doctor guessed what you were when you were born and teaching them all this crazy stuff and exposing them to sexuality and then telling them that they might be a victim or an oppressor. 
I mean, I just can't think of more creative ways to fuck with people's heads. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Well, and also it's that, you know, they're, the ideal conditions for growth involve some adversity. So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to create, you have to have something to push against and you have to experience things that, that force you out of your comfort zone and, and force you to grapple with challenges. And it's really hard yeah. to engineer that if you don't, it's hard to engineer that as a parent. For instance, you think about parents who want to teach their kids the value of money, but they have a lot of wealth and they, they, you know, they're having to artificially come in and, and create the, the challenges that cause this kid to have this certain value set. And it's very difficult to do that. So I think that it's, um, there's this, when you're talking about, does a liberal society set up these kind of problems? I think that there's always going to be some kind of a balancing act where things are going to flow in and out of this you know, around the ideal, but aren't going to settle into the ideal because just by getting things where you want them, you create the conditions for things to go haywire for the next generation. And so it, I think it will always balance out. The pendulum will swing. I don't know if I'm articulating that very well. It was a bigger thought in my brain. (laughs) <laughs> it, applies to the, it applies to the conversation we had about schools and I, I, did, I did leave that conversation thinking gosh like schools are so important the schools are such and it's such an important part of the liberal you know project is is having kids exposed to yep. different points of view to different you know to adversity interacting with their social group getting things wrong getting picked on growing growing small bones you know whatever yeah well, there's this concept called anti-fragility, hmm. which I don't think Jonathan Haidt talked about it. It was somebody on oh, Taleb, um, Nassim. He was the guy that also wrote the Black Swan book. Okay. Well, about it was what I was talking about. The bone breaks and builds more bone. So like the tree, a storm comes and the tree bends over and the storm leaves and the tree comes back up. That's resiliency. But anti-fragility is the storm comes, the tree bends over and grows back bigger and stronger. That's anti-fragility. That's letting your kids fall off the bike, letting your kids fail, letting your kids make mistakes as hard as it is. Yeah, and I just, I think like, there's a reason why the first child isn't usually as resilient as like the younger child there's different and I'm an I'm a first child here so putting myself down I guess but like when I think about my sons for instance my my older son and then my younger son the when my older son would cry there we'd pick him up there's no reason not to you'd have to artificially not do that you'd have to artificially not go to him you'd have to calculate not going to the child and picking him up when he cried my when my second son cried a lot of times I wanted to go to him but I'm dealing with the uh, the other child so there's this sort of benign I I, almost neglect a little bit of benign neglect that's not intentional on the part of the parent because the parent very much wants to rush over and help the baby but there's some other fire needing to be put out and so then the that just creates the conditions for that next child to have to figure out how to deal or 
or that, you know, help is going to come, but you might have to sit for a minute. So there, there's more patience. There's just, there's temperamental differences between the first child and subsequent children in, in certain ways. And, you know, as it's very different to be the parent trying to calculate how to, how much neglect you need to give your child versus the parent who can't help it. And this is just how this happens. So I just think about setting up those systems. It's, it seems like it's, kind of an impossible thing to engineer yeah gosh i always felt like motherhood uh, it, uh motherhood, <laughs> the developmental stuff because it was like i feel like right at the moment where i'm like i'm so done with this phase i am so done with the bottles like i can't like right when i'm just about to give up it's like suddenly that's when they start eating or like i am so fucking tired of this potty training, like I'm just done. I don't want to do it anymore. It's like that suddenly when they learned how to do it, it's, it's like, it's weird. I think there's some kind of circuit going on. I know this is kind of off topic, but there's some kind of vibe or at least with me and my kids, like right when I was about, I was like, I'm so done with this phase. Like that was when they, and maybe there was some kind of me backing off a little bit. I, cause mm -hmm. I was just done. I was tired. I was burned out. And then they kind of like rose to the challenge so it wasn't really neglect. It was more like we were in a, this sink. Like a symbiosis like, somehow. Yeah. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah. Maybe we could talk about that at some point, parenting and child rearing. The finisher says, "I uh, the first child is often parentified in my experience. That's true too. So there's yeah. lots of layers to this, but wow. I guess we better leave it there since it's time for Jennifer's group. Thank you Any all comments thank you there's a lot of great comments okay cool yeah oh horse says i don't believe you you said something opposite on voice who's is maybe you're talking to me maybe jody i don't know but yeah i probably say a lot of <laughs> there's so so many different <laughs> ways to look at this there's so much complexity so um, go, to my, go to my youtube channel i'm producing more videos and more music yeah awesome. go check jody out and Thanks so much for being here, Jody. I love the message. I love what you're doing. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. You All right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye all. Bye.